0: got done up this morning for easter can we give it up for all of the mamas in the house because we know who did the work come on if it was up to the dads to dress the kids they'd be showing up in crocs you know the little girl's hair would not be done boys wouldn't have brushed their teeth but it's the mamas that make it special huh Come on, it's the mamas who make us look good. So all the ladies in the house, we honor you and thank you for all the extra that you put in to everyone's outfit this morning. And, you know, one of the things about parenting and as we stay on that vein, one of the things that I love about parenting is the empty promises we make to our kids. We, we, we do this sometimes. We, we make these promises that we hope we don't have to come good on. Let me give you an example. How many of you, when you've been driving in the car and the kids are driving you absolutely crazy, you say to them this right here, don't make me turn this car around? <laughs> Anyone ever said that or is that just Pastor Josh and Pastor Joanna? <laughs> don't make me turn this car around. You know we don't want to turn the car around. I think our kids know that we don't want to take the car around. But we say that because we're trying to get them to cooperate. It's an, it's an empty promise. We hope we don't have to do it. How many of you, when you really don't want to say no, you get passive aggressive, so you say this, I'll think about it. <laughs> Come on, how many of your parents ever said, I'll think of"? it? You're not thinking about nothing. The answer is no, you just don't have... You just don't want to fight in that moment, you know? It's like, I'll just say this and they'll go away and I can keep watching TV, you know what I mean? It's like, whatever it is, okay, honey, I'll think about it. How about this one, if they didn't like what you made for dinner? If you don't like what I made, you can go to bed hungry. How many, but I don't know, I'm a sucker. I can't send them to bed hungry. I'll be like, they'll be in bed. I'm like, okay, what do you want? All right, you win, I just give up. I didn't want to do this. Or how about this one? I'll be there in just a minute. Anyone ever do that? Come on, Mom and Dad. You know it ain't going to be a minute, but you say that because you're trying to give them some hope. My son Jackson, he's, uh, he's, he's, uh, he's potty trained and everything, but he still don't know how to wipe himself yet. <laughs> Parents, you know it's a good day when kids know how to wipe themselves, Right. <laughs> Like they're kind of potty trained ish, but I mean, it's not until they can take care of that. You're done. My son does this thing and he makes this proud declaration. It's like he's announcing the king has come into the palace. When he's done, he says, I'm done. (laughs) I kid you not. That's my mom. He does that really loud. I'm done. Like somebody come wipe me. And there we go. Sometimes I'm like, I'll be there in just a minute. And how about this last? I got one more for you. I'm going to count to three. Right, you hope you don't hit three, right? <laughs> At least some of you don't. Some of you are like hoping. You're like one, two, you're taking off your belt because you're ready, like let me get the three, boy. Let me get the three, especially if you had a bad day. But 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 we do that right we we have these empty promises these promises we say to our kids that we hope we don't have to come good on. at least I don't I don't want to discipline my kids I, I want them to listen to me so sometimes I'll say these things and it's an empty promise and that's exactly what I want to talk to you about today on this Easter Sunday I've got a thought that I'm calling the empty promises of the resurrection the empty promises of the resurrection. In the year 2020, we had a lot of broken promises, didn't we? Now, I'm not going to make political statements here, okay? If you would just allow yourself to laugh a little bit, smile, it's going to get a lot better as we go through this. But, but in 2020, we heard a lot of things, right, that didn't really pan out. How many of you guys remember when they said two weeks to flatten the curve? What a lie from the pit of hell. I mean, it's like feeling like two years Two weeks. I wish it would have been two weeks. I mean, we were all in it, right? For two weeks. I mean, I know my wife and I, we got our this little rubber pool for the backyard, where we're gonna make the most of it. Two weeks of like incredible family time. We're gonna take pictures. Look how much fun we're having, right? (laughs) And you get to month too, right? And you're like just praying someone doesn't call CPS on you. (laughs) You're like, what is wrong with these teachers? They gotta go back to school now, right? It was kind of an empty promise. How about this one? When when you thought it'd get better with the election. Yeah, 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 because you saw the choices, and neither of them were good. If you're being honest, be honest, okay? I don't care. Win or lose, you were like, is this the best we've got? I mean, seriously, you're telling me we are the free world. We are the best country in this world, and this is the best we've got, these two choices. I mean, really, right? That felt like a broken promise. I'm like, man, this election ain't going to fix nothing. It's not with these two choices. I know a little sensitive. You're like, mm, don't mess with Grandpa Biden, how about this one? It was like, it's all going to be better in 2021. I mean, we're in 2021, and it kind of feels like groundhog year. It's like, this kind of feels like 2020. It doesn't, it doesn't, it kind of feels the same or how about this one like the vaccination is here it's going to make everything better. i thought the vaccination was going to make everything better and then it's like okay now that you're vaccinated you still got to wear your mask and you still got to social distance what i mean what's the point of it all anyway right it feels like promise after promise after promise and it just feels like it didn't really pan out it didn't really pan out when when are all these promises finally gonna come good it started to feel like 2020 was a year of empty promises but in the scriptures, we read that Jesus also made some promises to his disciples that when they heard it, kind of like the promises your mom make, they, 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 they were like, I really hope this doesn't pan out. Let, let me read to you one of the promises that that Jesus made. This is found in Matthew chapter 17. I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 16, verse 21. And it says, from that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes to be killed and to be raised on the third day jesus began to tell his disciples i'm going to jerusalem and i'm gonna die you could just imagine when the disciples heard that they were like really like you you're really gonna go to jerusalem and die like that is that like a promise are you kidding is that like a maybe or is that like a for sure for sure well Part of their issue was if you read what happened in Matthew chapter 16, if you get the context of when Jesus made that promise, you're going to get a little more to the backstory here in Matthew chapter 16. Jesus took his 12 disciples to the coasts of Caesarea Philippi. And as they were there on the coasts of Caesarea Philippi, they could see all of these temples, all of these monuments that were propped up for all of these false gods, these, these different Greek gods that were the backdrop to where Jesus looks at his disciples and he says, to them, Who do men say that I am? You see, up until that time, they knew that Jesus was a teacher. He was a good teacher. He wasn't like a regular teacher. He was a teacher with authority because not only would he teach the law in a way that they've never heard it, but he's praying for blind people and their eyes are open. He's praying for deaf people and they can hear. There's women that are coming up to him and grabbing the hem of his garment and just at the touch of a hem of his garment, their issue of blood dried up. He's going into cemeteries and saying Lazarus come out of your grave and Lazarus has to come up and so the disciples are thinking well you're a teacher but you're much more than just a teacher and so they began to tell Jesus well they're saying this about you and they're saying this about you and they're saying this about you and then Jesus cuts right to their hearts and says but who do you say that i am and peter says thou art the christ the son of the living god what he was saying was jesus you're the messiah that us jews have been waiting for for thousands of years and jesus did not block him jesus did not heisman him he says peter blessed are you because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you but my father in heaven what jesus was saying was he was saying peter you're right i am the messiah the messiah has come you could just imagine Imagine how the disciples felt in that moment when they walked back into town they had some extra sauce on those tacos you know what I'm saying they were like our teachers the Messiah our teachers the one we've been waiting for our teachers the one that the scriptures have foretold and then Jesus says but I'm going to Jerusalem and I'm gonna die and they're like what I'm going to Jerusalem and I'm gonna die but in three days I'm gonna get back up again and that was the context Jesus said that just after he had revealed himself to them, but he doesn't stop there because maybe the disciples thought in that moment he's kidding he's kidding he doesn't mean that that's not that's not real but in Matthew chapter seventeen, the very next passage of scripture the very next chapter in that book he says it again I'll read it it says now while they were staying in Galilee Jesus said to his disciples, the Son of Man is about to be betrayed into the hands of men and when they kill him and the third uh, and they will kill him and the third day he will be raised up and they were exceeding sorrowful now let's do some context one more time in matthew chapter 17 not only did they have that powerful revelation in matthew chapter 16 but in matthew chapter 17 jesus says peter james john come on with me we're going up to the mountain of transfiguration You know, with a name like that, something bad was about to happen, right? The mountain of transfiguration. And so there they go to the mountain of transfiguration and Jesus starts to pray. The Bible says as Jesus starts to pray, he starts glowing. I mean, come on. It was like Bruce Leroy from the movie Night, The Last Dragon. Come on. How many of you in 80s kids know what I'm talking about? A few of you. It's a bad movie, but it's a funny reference if you watched it. So he's starting to glow like Bruce Leroy. And and all of a sudden, Peter, James, and John are like, oh, my God, he's glowing. This is getting really good. And then out of nowhere, Moses shows up. He's been dead for thousands of years. Elijah shows up. He's been dead for hundreds of years. And it's like Obi-Wan Kenobi on The Last Hope. He just reappeared out of nowhere. Yes, I'm in my Bible, okay? You guys are like... Where's this pastor preaching from? It's in the Bible. It's a good book. You should read it. All this stuff's in there. And while this is happening, Peter, who just had a really profound revelation one chapter earlier, he says, hey, guys, what if we never leave this mountain? What if we just stay here and build three temples and just chilled up here? And I can imagine the disciples like, did you just say that, Peter? And I can imagine Jesus thinking, did I really call him to be my follower? Is that not the dumbest thing to say? And Peter didn't know what to think of that. And when they finally came off the mountain, Peter, James, and John, again, they knew him as the Messiah. And they're like, Thomas, you should have seen what happened up there. He was glowing. Moses showed up. Elijah showed up. Surely this means he's supercharged. He's ready. All that dying stuff. He was joking. And then Jesus says it again. I'm going to go to Jerusalem and I'm going to be betrayed. And I'm going to die. But in three days, I'm going to raise up again. And they were thinking, man, really? Is he really? Gonna go? And then it happens one more time, one more time in the book of Mark, chapter 8, verse 31. And it says, And Jesus began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed. But after three days, he will rise again. What's the context? Jesus had just finished feeding 4,000 people with seven loaves of bread. And after that moment, he looks at his disciples and he tells them this one more time what jesus is doing is he is doubling down on his promise he's letting them know this is a promise that i'm making to you that i'm gonna go to jerusalem i am gonna be betrayed by the religious leaders of the, the the religious leaders of our faith and i am going to die but listen guys in three days i'm gonna get back up again and if you read what happened after that the disciples tried to stop jesus from doing his mission I mean, it finally sank in, so they had a plot. They were like, okay, we just won't let him go to Jerusalem. And so read it. It's a funny story. Jesus says, okay, it's time to go to Jerusalem. And the disciples like, no, 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 you don't. You said you're going to die when you go there. So we're just going to hang on to you and not let you go. Imagine trying to restrain God, right? You know what I'm saying? They were just like, we're not going to let you go. But he goes anyway. And finally, when Jesus is arrested in the garden, Peter was like, had enough. And he went gangster on everyone. He grabbed the sword. He cut off the temple guard's ear. And he's like, you're not going to take my Savior. I mean, Peter was going on everyone why because jesus had made a promise they didn't like the promise they they, they didn't like what jesus was trying to do but but here's the thing about jesus's promise and if you're writing notes this is a good thing to write down (laughs) jesus's empty promise was the promise of an empty tomb Jesus's empty promise was a promise of an empty tomb because every time after he said, I'm going to die, he said, I will get back up again in three days. That's the promise that Jesus gives us that no matter the death that it was before him, no matter the pain that he endured and the tomb that they put him in, he knew he wasn't going to stay there very long. And so he made an empty promise and his promise was this is going to be an empty tomb. And this is why we are celebrating today or simply put our faith hinges on an empty tomb. say that one more time our entire faith is hinged on an empty tomb because if Jesus doesn't come out of the grave he's not who he says he is but because Jesus got up out of a grave then everything he said about himself is true Paul said it this way had Jesus not gotten out of that tomb then our preaching would have been for nothing our preaching would have been in vain but because Jesus got up out of that tomb we know and we understand that he's gone all power he's got all authority he is alive and that is why we worship him today You can go to the graves of a lot of good men. You can go to the graves of people who are esteemed as prophets and of gods. But it is impossible to go to the grave of Jesus because he was never buried. He was put in a tomb. But you need to understand it was a borrowed tomb. He borrowed the tomb because he knew in three days you can have it back. I'm going to be resurrected with all power and with all authority. Paul says that's our hope. And because it's our hope, let me give you three things that an empty tomb does for us. Number one, an empty tomb means that sin cannot separate you from him. An empty tomb means that sin cannot separate you from him. Sin keeps us from God. As long as there is sin in our life, it became this barrier between us and him. The Apostle Paul wrote it this way in Romans 5, but where sin abounded grace abounded much more so that as sin reigned in death even so grace might reign through the righteousness to eternal life through jesus christ our lord paul said sin used to keep us from god but then this thing grace came in and when grace came in grace was greater than our sin clap your hands if you've received this grace While Jesus hung on the cross, the Bible says that the veil that was inside the temple that separated the holiest place from the holy of holies, the places that that separated man from God's pure presence that they only experienced once a year, the veil was ripped from the top down because God was saying, it doesn't matter how bad you've messed up, and it doesn't matter how much you've done. Nothing will separate you from my love, because I'm taking sin and I'm nailing it to a cross. I'm taking your mistakes and I'm nailing it to a cross i'm taking your past and i'm nailing it to a cross it's what gives us hope it's what gives junior a story to tell it's what gives us who have been without god a reason to shout and a reason to get emotional and a reason to worship because we know what life was like before god but now that god is in the picture sin has been removed sin has been removed. An empty tomb means a second thing. An empty tomb means that death cannot defeat you. An empty tomb means that death cannot defeat you. Isaiah 25, 8 says this, he will swallow up death forever. Right there, that ought to give you a reason to shout that Jesus was going to swallow up death forever and the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces. The rebuke of his people he will take away from all the earth for the Lord has spoken. Death has been swallowed up. How many know that death is not the end? Come on, that's the faith that we have. Some of you in this room, that's not your faith. And and you think that when you die, it's over. And you're welcome to believe that. But can I tell you that there's something better? Can I tell you that there's something that you can believe that lets you know that even when you are dead, it's not over. Because God has eternity ready for you. And there's another life to come after this life. (laughs) Death has been defeated. You know, today is actually the day that I will celebrate the passing of my grandmother. Because the last time that I saw my grandmother was on Easter Sunday 2020. Now, my grandmother, I love my grandmother so much she transitioned into heaven. But Easter Sunday was God's gift to me. Because while they were saying everybody, especially the older demographic, needs to isolate and stay inside and don't go anywhere. I had a grandma you couldn't tell nothing to. <laughs> Come on, how many you got one of those grandmas? like You can't say nothing to grandma. I, both of my grandmas you can't say nothing to, I'll tell you. <laughs> Neither of them. I mean, my grandfather, he, he was a, a pastor, preacher, bishop, and, and my grandfather, he was so different because my grandfather, he'd be like, he would love you in his correction. My grandmother, oh, she would rebuke you into your correction. <laughs> My, my grandfather would, would love on you. He, he's gonna, it's the goodness of my grandfather <laughs> that's going to lead you to repentance. Like my grandma was a chancla of my grandmother. Like, mm-hmm. it, like, it was like she was going to get you with a flip-flop if you didn't repent. You know what I'm saying? That was my grandmother. And uh, I say all that because my grandma, um, you know, my grandfather, for the last 15 years of his life, he was on dialysis. And um, my grandfather was a tank. You know, we, the, the term of endearment that we called up, my grandfather was tata. You all have your own de- endearments, terms of endearments for your grandfather. Mine was tata. We called him tata the tank because, like, he just kept on trucking along. And I remember in the late 90s, he had, like, quadruple heart bypass surgery. And, and it was like scary there. And we thought that, you know, my grandfather was going to pass and the doctors would tell us, you got a couple more years with him and that's all you've got. My grandfather went 20 years after that. He just kept trucking right along. It kind of got to be a joke because like his son would bring out the camcorder said, okay, everybody, this is our last Christmas with Tata. We're not going to have him much longer. After eight years, my grandfather was like, get that out of my face. I'm not going anywhere. That was my grandfather. but But he was kept alive by Jesus and dialysis. Those two things right there. And so he trucked all the way until 2018. Remember, the late 90s, they were trying to send him home. And by 2018, that's when God finally called him up home. But what that meant was my grandmother didn't travel much the last 15 years because Tata couldn't go anywhere. Three days a week, he had to do dialysis. So I think my grandmother got a little stir crazy because the minute my grandfather went to heaven, I mean, grandma's like, let's go on vacation. Who's taking me to Tahoe? Let's go to Hawaii somewhere, somebody. I got to get out buried my husband it's time to party so you know it's like you know my grandmother you couldn't tell her nothing and 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 even when all of the covid stuff started happening my grandmother she would sneak out and go to church <laughs> I kid you not, but her kids were like, you need to stay inside, you're vulnerable, and and she would go find churches to worship, I think she went to the Korean church, like Portuguese, like it didn't, she didn't speak any of that, she's like, I'll find me a church, anybody still worshiping, I need me some Jesus, you know what I'm saying, she'd find a church, and so I saw my grandmother, the, for the very last time, it was at my mom's house for our Easter gathering, and about a month later, she would get the virus, and she would go fast, but that was the way, she said, look, if it gets me, then I'm just gonna go, and And that's just the way it went. But I say all that because when my grandmother transitioned, we celebrated because we know that death does not have the final word. The reason we are able to celebrate is because the writer said it this way. We don't mourn like those who don't have hope. How hopeless is it to think that when you die, it's over. But there's a hope that we have that because Jesus defeated death when it's over. It's not over. We're just transitioning from here into eternity. And that's the hope that we have in him. And I'm coming to a close. There's the last promise. The last promise. The empty tomb means heaven is our home. That's what an empty tomb means. Not only only is death defeated, but heaven becomes our home. We read in the scriptures, it says Jesus talking to his disciples. And if I go, I prepare a place for you. He tells them, I've got to leave so I can get heaven ready for you. Isn't that an incredible feeling to know that while we're down here celebrating the resurrection, Jesus is like, I'm getting stuff ready for you. So when you come, I'm going to have a place just for you. And he says, and I will come again, and I'm going to receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. how am I excited that we get to celebrate for eternity with him up in heaven? That's the promise that we have. And so when he gave us an empty promise, there was three things that he promised from an empty tomb. Number one, that sin wouldn't separate you from him. Number two, that death would be defeated. And number three, that heaven would become your home. And this is the pattern of Calvary. This is the pattern of our Lord and Savior. He was constantly looking for empty things in order to make his promises made known. Say it this way. The empty tomb was just a vessel that was used by Jesus. The empty tomb was just a vessel that was used by Jesus. it's, 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 It's a beautiful thing when you read and you study that Jesus time and time again spoke of how we must decrease so that he would increase. Jesus actually looked for empty vessels like an empty tomb it was empty things that drawed jesus to people john the baptist said it this way i'm going to decrease so that he would increase jesus said it this way father not my will but your will be done less of me so that i can have more of you And, and the problem is we're so full of ourselves there's no room for him to come in I wonder if on this Easter Sunday we would stop thinking so high and mighty of ourselves and realize that the favor of God goes to the low places that the favor of God goes to the places where people think are empty, to the place where people think nothing can come out of that, to the places where people think there's nothing to be received here. And yet Jesus says, I go to the empty places. I'm attracted to emptiness. As long as you're full of yourself, there's no room for me. But when you get to the end of yourself, come on somebody, when you get to the end of yourself, when you say, God, I poured out all that I am, there's nothing left in me, that's when He says. Now I'll come in. Now I'm going to come into your life. Some of you have been looking for him in all of the wrong places. The problem is we live in a culture that tries to tell you that the more stuff you have, the more validated you should feel. But why is it that sometimes people that have everything have nothing? It's going to be a real confessional right here. I was debating whether I say this in my head or not, but I'm going to say it. My son Jaden loves listening to Justin Bieber, so we got that new Justin Bieber album. <laughs> yeah, I know, laugh at me. Go ahead. Soak it up. It's this song that he sings, though. It's an incredible track. And my, my son, my son can sing, y'all. I'm telling you, my son Jaden can sing. He don't like me to tell it, but my son can sing, and he can just sing, and he just, one of these days when he's ready, he's gonna come up here and he's gonna be leading us in worship. And we're gonna send Jimmy off and say, God bless you, it was good. Just kidding. How many y'all love Brother Jimmy? He does a phenomenal job every Sunday. My son loves singing those lyrics, and he says in one of his songs, I'm kind of butchering, I'm paraphrasing, but he says, when you have everything but you've got nobody to call. And sometimes that's, some of you have felt that way. You've got all this stuff, but nobody to talk to, nobody to relate to, no one that you can confide in. That's typically where you need to turn to Christ. When you realize that I have everything, but I still feel like nothing. Come on, right where you're at. Can I pray over you right now? Just lean in. Let me pray for you. We're coming to a close now. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, God, for the empty promises of the resurrection. Father, an empty tomb accomplished so much more than my righteousness ever could. An empty tomb, Lord God, did far more than I could ever do on my best day. On the days when I feel like I've earned it, on the days when I've strived, on the days when I feel like I was good, it's never as good as an empty tomb because an empty tomb means you took my sin and you forgave me. An empty tomb means that death is not forever. And the empty tomb means that heaven will be my home. These are the empty promises of the resurrection. Father, right now, I just pray for every person that is here. I pray, Lord God, that everyone that is here that is feeling like they've been at the end of their rope, feeling like they've not been able to find hope anywhere, that they would learn to trust in you, that they would learn to turn to you, that we would realize that every empty thing is a birthplace for you to come in when we have emptied ourselves, God. It is then that you come in and you meet us and you find us and you begin to work in us.